0: right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in store. And give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro potting soil just eight ninety seven at the Home Depot. How doers get more
2: done? When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out of pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over fifty percent of medical bills contain errors.
3: Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Book of Joe podcast with me, Tom Berducci, and my good buddy, Joe Madden. Uh, Joe, I want to take you down memory lane today. I hope that's okay with you. Always. (laughs) Because I'm going to bring you back to 1982. Right. Young Joe Madden, is second year managing in the minor leagues. He's 29 years old, and he gets a gig in the Northwest League with the Salem Angels. Now, why am I bringing that up? Well, today we have a special guest. We have the manager of the Hillsborough Hops in the Northwest League. And by the way, it's only about 50 miles down I-5 from Salem. The connection to Oregon and the Northwest League all these years apart, it's a little bit different now because the manager now is Ronnie Gajownik. And Ronnie, thanks so much for joining us, of course, I was told that your real name is Veronica, but uh, I guess only your mom used that when you needed to do the dishes. Is that true?
4: Yeah. You know what? Growing up, I used to go bowling a lot and Veronica didn't fit on there. She goes, hey, why don't we go ahead and use Ronnie? And you know what? It's stuck ever since. But yeah, she only calls me that whenever she uh, is yelling at me to do the dishes whenever I go back home. So uh, I cringe a little bit every single time, you know, I hear Veronica. So if I did that a little bit, that's why. So how
1: do you say? Gajonic? Gajonic?
4: it's Gajownik.
1: Gajownik. Is that Polish?
4: It is Polish. You, my my uh, real last name is actually Gajownik, G-A-J-O-W-Z-C-K. Um, but my great-grandfather changed it when I came over to Americanize it. I don't know how American Gajownik is, but you know what? It's better than a Gajownik, I guess.
1: Well, the similarities continue because I am half Polish also. My mom's side of the family is Klotzek. And so when I saw that, I figured as much. I didn't, I didn't put together Veronica with Ronnie, but I think that's pretty cool too. And then furthermore, to be situated in Oregon, um, that year in 1982, we did win the Northwest League title. I had some big leaguers on that team, Mark McLemore being one of the most prominent. Um, uh, Kirk McCaskill was another one, Urbano Lugo. Uh, I had a great time up there. It's uh, The weather's, you would think in the Northwest, people always complain, but it's actually pretty good in the summertime. Mm-hmm. But if you have allergies in that neck of the woods, summer allergies are pretty nasty. I, I thought I was developing asthma up there. But nevertheless, <laughs> uh, it's a great spot to begin your career. Uh, there, again, there are so many similarities. Uh, I'm very very happy for you.
4: See now, if you like pierogies, then we're definitely kindred spirits. Then
1: I make pierogi. I oh can make my pierogi. goodness! I make halupki. Oh, I man. got all that stuff in my back. Actually, our restaurant in Chicago was the Madden's Post. We were a fusion. Between Italian and Polish food, we had to shut her down. And I, they, we were making split pea pierogi, and I promise you, the best ever. And did you ever have Mrs. T's pierogi?
4: No, I actually have not.
1: Okay, well, that's made in Shenandoah, which is right down the street from my hometown. Wow, but they're everywhere. Okay, check it out. Mrs. T's. Mrs. Check Mrs. it out. Teens, right. I have
3: had those, Joe. I can vouch for them. Very good. I, I just can't You're wait very good. for the post-game spread at the Hillsborough Hops game. <laughs> right. The players will just absolutely gonna kill the post-game spread. Oh, that's sweet. Funny. Well, Ronnie, I mean, really, congratulations. Um, getting, obviously, this historic job managing. It's the first time a female will be managing a high A team. So congratulations. Well-deserved. Um, you have to take me back. We'll get into your background, of course, but you have to take me back to the phone call, or maybe it was done in person when you first found out that this was going to be your assignment for 2023 to be a high A manager.
4: Yeah, so it happened. I believe it was in October that Josh called me. I was actually out here in Arizona working the fall league with the Salt River Rafters, and you know, just a normal day cleaning my blinds in my apartment. All of a sudden, I get a you know call from Josh Barfield and. Thinking, oh geez, what's going to happen? And I wasn't expecting a call, and picked it up, and you know, a little bit of small talk. How's it going? You know, just cleaning my blinds, just a normal day. And he goes, "All right, well, we want to go ahead and talk to you about next season." I'm like, "Okay, sounds good." He's like, "So we'd like you to be in Hillsboro." Oh, wait, hold on a second. I'm getting another call, so I'm patiently waiting there for what feels like five minutes. (laughs) Gets back on. Hey, Ronnie, is still there? I'm like, yeah, I've been here for an hour. How's it going?" Uh, He goes. uh, you know, we want you to go ahead and manage up in Hillsboro, and uh, it was it was shock, it was excitement, and uh, you know, got off the phone, and uh, my wife looked at me and she goes, "So where are you going?" And I told her, and uh, she cried for the both of us. So I I appreciated that, so that I didn't have to do it. So it was uh, it was a great moment.
3: That's so cool. And how about the first phone calls that you made after that?
4: Who was the first phone call? Well, I actually I didn't I really wanted to tell my parents because um, you know they've just supported me through everything growing up of playing softball playing baseball college and whatnot and they were actually flying in the next week for my mom's birthday and so i wanted to keep it for them because i wanted to see their see their face in person and we took them out to lunch and um you know told my dad you know hey you guys are gonna come up and visit aj and i up in hillsborough and they both stopped mid-bite look at me go are, is that where you're going to be next year and uh like, yeah, I was like, hey, dad, you got any, uh, you know, when you're at the games, can you just make sure, you know, I'm in the right spot when I'm in the third base coaching box? And my dad goes and actually my mom caught it before my dad and uh, my dad started tearing up. My mom started tearing up. So, um, so I was really, it was a really cool moment to be able to do that in person. But to be honest with you, I kind of blacked out a little bit. So I don't really know who I called after that. I kind of, I really didn't tell anybody until a couple of weeks ago. So I felt like a little bit of a ninja and spy the past couple of months living incognito. So. Yeah, it was good.
1: Uh, just, just one question for me now that you've gotten this position, and actually rather rapidly or quickly, um, was this part of your aspiration to eventually become a minor league manager? This, was this just uh, kind of like literally out of left field, or is this something that you really had in your mind's eye that you wanted to do eventually, and that maybe it happened sooner than you thought, or just what, what were your, what were your thoughts going into the... Not just into this season, into your career as as a as a baseball coach, a professional baseball coach slash manager now.
4: Yeah, no, um, you know, growing up in college or in high school, they always have you do your five year plan, and um, ever since I just, if I look back at my five year plan, there's no shot I would be where I'm at today. Um, So for me, I just as as simple as it is, I just like to be happy. And, um, you know, as long as I know that I'm keeping my head down and I'm working hard, then I'm going to go ahead and be where I need to be. But it was definitely out of left field. And, you know, growing up, there weren't really, you know, there weren't female coaches on the field for professional baseball or even managers. And so, and, you know, a dream job, it's, it's something that you can achieve. And that that's something growing up, I never thought that I could. Um, So I never really thought about it, to be honest with you. So I just, I wanted to work hard and, you know, I wanted to show who I was and what I could bring to the table, and um, this is what was on the table when Josh gave me that call. Cool.
1: I actually wrote down your five. What is your five to ten year plan? And you actually just uh, dropped that on me right there. I mean, just as uh, just again drawing parallels. I mean, we. It's weird. You're saying things that I'm thinking. I've written down already, and we we're both Polish, and you like pierogies too. It's just uh, as as I always went through this thing. I mean, for me, because I never played in the big leagues. Um, I was a minor league player and a scout and all that kind of stuff, a coordinator, everything. Uh, but I always wanted to be in the major leagues by the time I was 40. That was kind of like my my, my goal. And like Tommy said, I started at uh, pretty much the same age that you did. Um, now that you're – I know it's kind of quick and maybe you haven't had a chance to really reflect. But and now that you're there, I mean, uh, is it time to, in a sense, uh, readjust your, your goal setting as you move it forward? I, and again, I'm not trying to jump the gun, but um, as you're seeing right now, um, to have a, an absolute goal and direction, and it just appears to be that's who you are, um, moving down the road, Is uh, uh, would you consider maybe moving into like a five or 10-year mental plan right now? Is that something you've thought about already?
4: Um, that is not something that I've thought about um, just yet. But I think that, I don't know, for me, I don't really like to, and I, I don't view this as being lazy, but I don't really like to have a timetable. I think okay. that, in, in my opinion, from what I've experienced with my life, you know. Everything happens for a reason, all of the successes, all of the failures, you know, it's, it's molding me into who I need to become to then achieve that goal, um, whatever that goal is. But I think that, um, you know, I was, I was watching an interview and they were talking about asking people, you know, if they think that there's going to be a female manager uh, in the big leagues in, within the next 10 years. And there's a lot of people who are saying yes. So the fact that that is being said by people who have been in this game or broadcasted on this game or scouted in this game for a long time. I think that, which is great to hear that that can be on a female's five to 10 year plan. And that's something that you couldn't have said even two, three years ago. But the fact that you're even asking me that question now shows the the progress that if you do deserve to be here, that you can be here.
1: I was kind of insinuating all that, but again, well done. That's right on the money.
4: <laughs> See, we're just, we're on the same level right now. We're yeah, on the same it's, it's kind of that's
3: weird. Great. I'm getting freaked out here a little bit. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tommy. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely would sign on to that possibility. There's no question about it. There's, I, I say, why not? Um, yeah. If you're skilled enough, there's nothing to stop you. As you know, Ronnie, if we brought up that idea 10 years ago, and you would most people, and maybe probably even you might have said no, because that possibility didn't exist. I wanted to take you back to when you were at South Florida. Uh, and you told somebody, my main goal is to be a head coach, talking about softball at the time while you're playing softball at South Florida. Retire and then work with little kids out in Yellowstone or Yosemite or anywhere out west. Yeah. <laughs> plans change. <laughs> yeah,
4: plans definitely do change. So um, you know, I'd still like to do that. That might be, you know, forty years down the road that I'll be in Yosemite and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, it is. It's 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 funny when you look back at um, you know just how many different paths that you can take. You know, just like you're trying to get up to a mountain, you know, there's different trails that you can take, but they all lead to the same spot and you don't necessarily have to be on the same path the whole entire time.
3: That's awesome. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, I'm going to ask Ronnie about the challenges that she faces going forward and where she got this baseball bug to begin with. Back in a minute.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. with better help visit betterhelp.com book of joe today to get 10 percent off your first month that's BetterHelp, help help.com book of joe
1: this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge
3: <sighs>
0: is he connecting to complimentary wi-fi oh my look at that he is
5: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, Owen oh, two-door cinema club.
6: Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody, rugged, resilient, and timeless.
3: Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. Our guest, Roddy Gajownik, the manager of the High A Hillsboro Hops in the Arizona Diamondback system. Uh, And Roddy, I asked about getting the baseball bug. It sounds like you had it at a very young age. I believe your dad played college baseball. Tell me about your love of this game and where it came from.
4: Yeah. So, um, oddly enough, my parents are actually from the suburbs of Chicago. I, uh, grew up loving Aurelio's pizza. I had an Aurelio's pizza box on my wall growing up. And, um, my mom was a White Sox fan, but at the time I was a daddy's girl. So I actually grew up a Cubs fan. And, um, you know, just ever since my dad would take me out of school growing up in central Florida, there's a lot of spring training complexes around that area. So he would take me out of school and, um, you know, we would go to baseball games and we'd just talk baseball, play baseball. Even when I had switched over to softball, he would still want me to swing a wooden bat. I'd be hitting baseballs. Um, and then just kind of throughout my years, just, you know, growing up a Cubs fan and um, I actually took my dad to a uh, Cubs and Cardinals game for his birthday one year. But it's just kind of always been in me because, you know, just being able to watch those high-level athletes and just his passion growing up of playing with it and to be able to share that bond with him, it was, a, it was a good time. And the fact that it's led me here, I'm really appreciative of it.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, tell us about your entry into professional baseball and where that door first opened or even the idea came to you that you could and wanted to pursue it.
4: Yeah, so it actually happened during COVID, Um, USA Baseball and MLB Baseball. They put on different Zooms, bringing in ex-coaches, scouts, umpires, um, analysts, just to come in and talk to the alumni of the women's national baseball team. So they brought in, we were kind of doing all these talks, and I was just asking a bunch of just different questions, and um, I didn't realize until after the fact how great my questions were. When uh, Kim Ng and Liz Ben, who's now the director of Major League Operations with the Mets, and obviously everybody knows Kim Ng, um, they emailed me asking me if I had any interest in going into baseball. And, you know, earlier that year, I'd obviously seen the push notification from ESPN in regards of Rachel Folden getting the job. But I didn't really think that that was a path for me or did I know um, how that path was to be created? But through that email, um, I thought, oh, yeah, that's actually pretty pretty interesting. And so um, my resume was sent out. I did a bunch of USA and um, MLB camps virtually. And then also, too, when that was done, actually in person and with my resume being sent out, I got some phone calls and some interest from, I believe it was three different organizations. And uh, my conversations with the uh, Diamondbacks were were absolutely great. You know, it's just kind of just conversations you have when you sit down at a bar and you're just kind of getting to know somebody, see what they're about. And uh, it was just kind of through those conversations that an offer was extended to me in regards of a player development intern. And, you know, I was I was pretty happy at UMass, but I wanted a little bit of a change. And I also, too, want a little bit of a challenge and to see how things were done in professional baseball. So I looked at my wife, I'm like, hey, you good with uh, selling our place here and going over the West Coast? And she said, let's go ahead and do it. So that opened my door and off we, off we uh, started driving to uh, Arizona.
1: So, so now you're in Arizona and spring training is right around the corner. Uh, when, is, when is your minor league group report? Do you have a date on that? I'm sure you have a date on that, right?
4: Yeah, so early early camp, I believe staff is reporting on the 15th. Okay. And then spring training, I believe, is on the 7th, I want to say. Okay. Not-
1: I'm just I'm just asking that question because for me, I spent, especially that first time through, you spend a lot of time thinking, uh, how am I going to address my team the first time? What is the message going to be with my team the first time through? Mm-hmm. And in the situation that you are in right now, have you even gotten to that point where you am uh, I'm, I'm a big planner, I'm a big organizer, all that kind of stuff. Have you gotten to that point now where you thought about, yeah. what your uh, uh, address may sound like, look like to your team the first day you get uh, to stand in front of them.
4: Yeah, no, I think, um, so I guess yeah, we are a little bit similar as I've already started writing down a little bit of the values yeah. of, of what we want in Hillsboro, And um, I think, it, again, it, it comes down to being able to create that relationship with them, not as a player, but as a person. And for mm-hmm. them to know that we're not here for them, that we're here with them or with them day in and day out. And I think true being able to, you know, you can't truly create progress until you tell the truth and you're able to look in the mirror and see where you're at, where you uh, you know, where your pros are at, where your cons are at. So to be able to pinpoint, hey, these are the things that we need to get better at and to be vulnerable. Because again, if, if, if you're not okay with looking at failure and figuring out how to get better, then you're just going to be stagnant. So showing, hey, we're here. We're all going to be vulnerable here. We're going to look to see how we can get better. And we're here with you to get you better.
1: Just one more question regarding oh, that. That's, that's a really good response. Um, as you've gone through the ranks, as you came up as a player and as a coach in the minor leagues, um, you have what you consider to be some strengths and maybe some areas that you're looking for to improve. Because I know as a young coach, I did. I mean, uh, coming out of it, uh, getting my first opportunity, I thought it was decent as a hitting coach, maybe. I was decent with catching and those kind of things. And, of course, running a game is something completely different until you actually get to do it uh, where you're going to be standing in a third-base coaching box. You don't have to look into the dugout for the sign, though. Yeah. You get to make it up on your own, and, and that's kind of a neat gig to have too. Yeah. But um, <laughs> do you, at this point in your career, do you feel like you have some really – I'm talking about fundamental strengths as a teacher, things that you really feel good about. Mm-hmm. And conversely to that, are there areas that you're looking to improve? As an example for me – I, I always wanted to become a better middle infielder instructor. So I really hung out with the middle the really solid middle infielders. as I was moving through, I felt good as a catching instructor. So uh, where, do you, where, where do you think your strengths are and what are you looking that uh, I might uh, need to uh, rally around the right kind of people to get more information?
4: For me, I'm a very good in regards of personality, a very good communicator. Um, paying attention and being, like you said, around the right people to learn from them. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing, like you said, you can do so much to prepare, but sometimes you have to gain experience by gaining experience and actually being in the trenches and being in that third base coaching box. So for me, um, I would probably say a little bit more in regards of of the hitting aspect of it. In regards of infield, I feel pretty confident in me as a player. Also, too, what I've already picked up from some of the uh, some of my great teammates here with the Diamondbacks. So just being able on how to manage the game in regards of also, too, just the pitchers. I've been around them a little bit in regards of my first year with Hillsborough and really having to work with the track man, work with being in the bullpen every single day when the guys were throwing pens and you know seeing a little bit of the inner workings, but just being able just to truly manage that game and, you know, I've already been talking to talked to um, one of our guys this morning, Arnado, and then also to D. Gardner. It's just more so surrounding myself with the managers and saying, you know, what they've learned and um, what they think that I also, too, can get better at.
1: I think it's wise to hang around with the pitching as much as you can. I mean, that's the thing. If uh, I had an, an advantage in the sense having been a catcher. But as a manager, um, you know, making a lineup is one thing. That's not that big of a deal. You're going to be able to make your lineup daily. And within the minor league situation like that, there's going to be a lot of stuff already done in advance. You know, you've got to play. You're not going to pinch hit for anybody. This guy's going to throw four innings and throw 75 pitches, et cetera. But as you continue to advance, to me, the the thing that really helps a lot and that could really help set you apart would be how well you handle your pitching staff and how much you understand them. And, I'm listen, I'm, I'm fully um, assured that you have a really good or strong feeling about that. But to me as a young manager um, – that's really important as you work your way through the ranks because, after all, by the end of the season, it's like having a quarterback in football. Uh, you have to have uh, pitchers in baseball to win and uh, to hang around with that that group, whether it's coaches or actual players or pitchers. It's really important to understand them.
4: Yeah, well, I appreciate that nugget of advice. So I'm going to go ahead and write that on down. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like you have a good staff with you in Hillsboro. You've got. On the younger side, I think they're all in their late 30s, but plenty of playing and coaching experience. Gabby Hernandez, Ty Wright, Ronald Ramirez. So uh, I'm sure you know some of these guys from the year you spent in Hillsborough, Ronnie. Um, give me an idea of your connection with your staff heading into 23.
4: Yeah, so I've actually I've only worked a little bit with them. So they weren't there in Hillsborough the year that I was there. Um, but being able to work with them. Right now during instructs, I'm actually going and getting dinner with our hitting coach Ty Wright tonight to Oreganos, which is a close second to Aurelio's. So, <laughs> it's good um, stuff.
1: Oreganos is outstanding. Yeah, I'm it's with great.
4: That's outstanding. I, I cannot wait. My, I'm, I'm already ready to eat. We're we're meeting at five o'clock. I'm like I can't wait till seven
3: o'clock for this. So,
4: <laughs> we're meeting at five. Um, but um, but yeah, so kind of just taking each of them out to dinner individually, and you know, wanting to see who you know who they are as people and what their expectations are for um, for each of their groups. And then also to just kind of where, where they also want to get better at. So I think it's just creating, um, it's just creating a cohesive unit and just understanding how everybody operates and ticks.
3: That's so cool. And Joe, I'm sure you relate to that. Getting to know someone in a place better than over a good meal. (laughs)
4: Kitchen
1: somewhere, man, or a nice restaurant for me, it's a, it's some good food and a glass of wine. I've done the same stuff, Ronnie. I mean, you're right. I, I, I think your approach is right on the money. Um, it's going to serve you well. And on top of that, you're going to have a great meal and possibly a couple nice cold beers or uh, a great glass of wine. And let me ask you this, too, this, as you're talking about all this, because you have to have had this, uh, mentors or coaches or managers or uh, from your past, whether it's people you were directly related to as a softball player or whatever, or mm-hmm. just observationally, professionally, uh, as a kid growing up, that poster on your wall, whatever. Um, who's Who, in your mind's eye, has been a great influence on you for you, whether it's a mentor directly, somebody that you've known or coaches or managers um, in, in, the, in the, it doesn't just have to be baseball in general. Yeah. Who, who really stands out to you?
4: Um, so the first two who come to mind in regards to softball would be Kevin Fagan. Um, he, we actually won a national championship with him the year before I went to college. And also to Ken Erickson, who is my coach at the University of South Florida. And I think the the biggest thing, you know, you're always gaining um, as a player, always gaining knowledge of, you know, the fundamentals of it. Hey, you're going to be, you're going to go ahead and look for this. Hey, in this situation, it's this, but it's, it's more so how they went about their business and how they carried themselves of how professional they were in regards of the relationships and the questions that they asked. So the way that they carried themselves, those are the two big thing, or that's the big thing that I got from them. And then also too, in regards of now being in baseball a really big mentor for me is Shane Lukes who's now one of our pitching coordinators here with the Diamondbacks who I worked with um happily for two and a half years he's probably happy to get rid of me now but uh he'll he'll definitely be visiting a lot so but Shane Lukes he he's he's a great mind um on and off the field who he has as a person and you know you go back to the vulnerability of things and being able to look in a mirror and you know, a lot of people jokingly call them the truth. And, you know, you you got to be able to tell the truth. You can't just beat around the bush because if you're beating around the bush, then you're not actually advancing who you are as a person. So I would say that those three are the first three that pop, pop into my mind.
1: But listen, if, if I tell you the truth, you might not like me for a week or 10 days, but if I lie to you, you're going to hate me forever. <laughs> that's, that's really what it comes down to. Exactly. You have to establish relationships because the next thing that occurs is that trust begins to flow. And once uh, that occurs, then you could ex- actually exchange ideas, because unless you have a relationship and you trust one another, the exchange of ideas just becomes a pushback contest. uh, uh no, I'm, I'm not going to agree with that person. Uh, I'm going to stick with what I think. I'm never going to concede. I will not negotiate, unless you have trust built up with the relationship. And eventually, when you get all those things in order now, uh, you could have the really strong differences of opinion. And it could work. And then when you get to that point where you could have a, a strong discussion, argument, whatever you want to call it, can, uh, both uh, uh, diverse opinions, and at the end of that uh, discussion come back and, and, and walk out on the field and everybody's on the same page, on the same theme, that's pretty cool. But those things have to be in order. Relationship building, trust, um, the exchange of ideas before your constructive criticism can flow both ways. And when that occurs, now you got something. Now you got something because – I don't want people to agree with me all the time. That's the last thing I want. It's very boring. I want to be challenged constantly as a manager from what I'm hearing. Ronnie, it sounds like you want to be challenged constantly too. And that's the only way we get a chance to grow. And that's that's one of the, not one of that, that's the primary thing I've done in each city that I've gone to is those, those different steps in order to uh, get on the same page with the group and then enact change, build culture, become the race, become the uh, Cubs, whatever. All those things have to be in order first.
4: Yeah, no, it's uh, again, it's just crazy to think about, you know, I, I never really thought that I was going to be in a role like this because I never saw it. And the fact that now little girls who come down to spring training um, or, you know, they're watching their little brothers play baseball and they see, you know, Olivia Pichardo, who's playing at Brown and they're saying, oh, hey, if my brother's playing, then, you know, can I play baseball, too? So the fact that now this option is open for them and it's, you're not going to get, you know, you might still get some people who are, no, you shouldn't do that. But there's going to be a lot more people who are are saying, you know what, you can, because she's doing it and she's doing it and she's doing it over there. So the more that we're able to build on that base, um, it's just going to be getting larger and larger. It's not, it's not, it's, It's going to be second nature now. It's going to be normal. It's not going to be the first. It's not going to be this or that. It's just going to say, okay, let's go ahead and do that.
3: And we're going to take a quick break right here and we get back. Um, We're going to play one of our favorite games. Stick around.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you?
5: Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com.
3: Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. And of course, this podcast, if you're enjoying this, you will certainly enjoy the book, the namesake book, The Book of Joe. And, and Ronnie, we do this segment with all of our guests We think that when you pick up the Book of Joe book, there's something interesting, informative, educational even on every page of the book. And to prove it, we ask our guests to pick a number between one and 368 the pages in the book. uh, And we'll take a little dive into the book to see what it brings us. So you're on the spot here to pick. A number between one and three sixty-eight. Well, I actually
4: have this. Uh, I have this book, and I was actually going to ask Joe if it's any good. If I should keep it or return it, so I, <laughs> this this will be perfect then. So I'll see. Let's go ahead and do. Uh, let's let's do uh, number thirty-four. How about that?
3: Number thirty-four is that your number?
4: Yes, it actually is.
3: And is there a history behind that?
4: Um, growing up, I really loved Carrie Wood. So I I wasn't a pitcher, but really loved the way he operated, the way he himself, so number thirty-four is what it was.
3: He's a good, he's a
1: great dude too. That's
3: awesome. Well, this yeah. is uh, appropriate because we're talking about managing in the minors, and you know, Joe has learned from a lot of good ones. And sometimes you learn huh. things that you don't want to do as a manager from managers, so you pay attention to those things. And mm-hmm. Joe, this involves Moose Steubing. my man. Remember Moose Steubing? Absolutely. Okay, he was uh, at this point in the minors when Joe was with him. Moose was 39 years old. He toiled mostly in the minors. His entire major league career consisted of five hitless pinch hit appearances for the 67 Angels. As Stubing liked to say, 17 days of coffee, but I didn't get a donut. <laughs> he later joined the Angels as a scout. The 1976 gig with the Quad City Angels was his first as a manager. He insisted his players be on time. Players even a minute late for the team bus were left behind keep a spanking clean clubhouse, and never forget that he was the boss. There's one of me and 25 of you, Stubing told his players, so you better get to know me rather than me get to know you. (laughs) How about that, Ronnie? You think times have changed a little bit? Oh,
4: man. (laughs) Well, you know what? I will say in regards of being on time, for me personally, I think, the, the best currency you can give someone is your time. You know, you can get back money, you can get back clothes, you can get food, but time is something that you literally can never give back. So for me, time is very important to be on time. So for that, okay, now I might be getting a call from Josh Barfield if I leave our starter behind. So I, I, I'd like to keep my job and see, you know, what I can do this season. So uh, that probably won't be happening. But no, I think in, in today's time, it's, or, you know, back in the day when I was growing up playing. If my coach told me to put a bucket on my head and go run a mile, I would say I'd be like, all right, which bucket put on my head and I would just start running. But now you can't do that. You know, and I think that that's also kudos too to players taking ownership of their own careers into their own paths. So I think that that's something that has uh, that has definitely changed.
1: Yeah, we we didn't agree with him, by the way. <laughs> Me and my roommate Don, Don Lyons, we 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 just could not believe that came out of his mouth. Moose is no Moose is no longer with us, uh, but uh, my buddy Doc, he was a graduate of Gonzaga, first baseman, great guy. He passed away, but. We were incredulous when Moose said that to us that particular day. Unbelievable.
3: <laughs> it, it kind of, Joe, I know we talk about this in the book. You know, as someone that you grew up in, that kind of Vince Lombardi era, right? Yeah. Where mm-hmm. that was the paradigm of how you were a leader, which very tough. It, it A lot of times relied on negative motivation. Um, yeah. and, and, Ronnie, I'm curious your take on this to see, you know, dealing with players today – um, and I've talked to Dusty Baker about this as well, and he's certainly adapted to this different kind of way of teaching and leading. That he said players are not going to respond to negative motivation. So, what are the kind of things you've learned about keeping your players motivated and what works? Maybe what doesn't work?
4: Yeah, you, I, will, you cannot coach out of fear. I, uh, we had a men's performance session a couple of days ago, and talking about the dark passenger and kind of that, you know, that negative devil on your shoulder telling you all those bad things and. There's anonymous poll of, you know, what are some things that your dark passenger says to you? And um, people were saying, you know, I can't swing the bat. I don't know how to play baseball. I shouldn't be here. And, you know, again, this is a huge game of failure. So they're, they're already their worst enemy between their ears. We don't, they don't need someone externally going after them and, you know, coaching them out of fear. And I think it's more so of allowing that vulnerability again to to succeed and also to to fail because when you fail, that's that's where you see where you're at and where you can get where you can get better at.
1: I could just say amen. I agree with all of that. Right on.
3: Great, well said, Ronnie. This has really been a pleasure. I, I it's uh, it's easy to see why Josh Barfield and the whole Diamondbacks organization has such confidence in you, and hopefully our listeners feel that as well. Um, I can't wait until you bring home the Northwest league championship, the way that Joe Madden did back in 1982.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you, if, if
4: hey,
3: hope, I get I'm that hoping.
1: done, we'll, we'll figure something out, but just get that done this year. We'll figure out something at the end of the season. Absolutely.
4: Hey, if I, how about that? Hey, if I, if I, if I win, you gotta, you gotta cook me up some of your split pea pierogies. How about that?
1: Deal. I was just going to say you are, do you live in Arizona in the wintertime too?
4: Uh, no, I actually live down in Florida, a little bit oh, north more okay. beach. We can figure something out. Okay, a nice
1: Polish dinner. That's the deal.
4: All right, sounds perfect. Sounds great.
1: Awesome, awesome. Best wishes. Thank you.
4: Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
3: Well, Joe Madden, I thought uh, Ronnie Gajownik was super impressive. I'm so glad she's got this opportunity now, since it's, it's all about performance, right? It's she's she's broken through a ceiling here, and um, and I have no doubt she's going to do a terrific job.
1: Yeah, confident, gregarious, um, really confident. Uh, self-confident in what she has to say. And I like that a lot. Um, uh, even with the lack of experience in the game itself, uh, uh, professional baseball wise, I think she's going to be just fine because she is, she's straightforward. She's really well thought out. I can imagine she's highly organized and she's fully full. Uh, she's Polish. So I think that that matters to me also. So uh, I really enjoyed that conversation a lot. I thought she's, uh, She's on top of things, man. She's going to have a nice career.
3: Yeah, and I I honestly think, Joe, I don't know how you feel about this, it probably will be inside of 10 years we do see a major league managers, a woman. uh, I wouldn't even rule out the possibility of a a pitcher or a position player in the major leagues. I I don't know what the time frame is, but again, Mm. why not? And what we're doing now is we are encouraging more young women to follow that dream, and it becomes now something that's real, uh, even more than the dream. It becomes something that's possible.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to put words in her mouth. That's why I asked her like the five or the ten year plan. You know, um, because I think if you get your foot in the door like she has, and as she goes through the season, maybe into the next couple seasons, I think it'll become more fully um, uh, implanted within her that I really want to do this, or maybe I just like to be uh, stay as a coach or a minor league manager, maybe as a major league coach, but she's the kind of person, she's the one. I mean, her or uh, the young lady, Rachel, uh, they're definitely at the forefront of this. And it should take at least 10 years. I would think that's about the right number to understand and, and and really hone your craft to be able to become a major league manager with the experience necessary, everything about it. So I think a 10 years is about right. And uh, I think less than that would be kind of like a, an expedited form, which I don't know what's going to happen, but, uh, she definitely has the chops uh, mentally, man. She's got the chops mentally. She would do. She'd be wonderful in front of the, the press on a daily basis. There's no doubt in my mind. It's just about understanding the game completely and how she relates to her players, uh, which is really going to uh, set her path, I think.
3: Absolutely. Very, very impressive. Joe, you got something to take us out of this edition of the Book of Joe? Yeah, I'm going back to my boy Ernie
1: Hemingway. I read this the other day. <laughs> And it's just something that uh, I think that uh, people of my age, I'll be, what, 49, uh, 69 being a new 49 in um, February. But Ernie said, uh, no, that is a great fallacy, the wisdom of old men. They do not grow wise. They just grow careful or cautious. Um, And that was was awesome because the, the point is, man, at whatever age you are, do not grow careful. Do not grow cautious.
3: Just keep pushing the envelope keep growing hey i never knew you and ernie were tight that's pretty cool
1: well what i want to do is i at some point my van's almost done the 676 is almost done hopefully it is in the back of my mind just to get in it take 10 all the way down the southern route end up down in uh, key west and just go hang out at his pad a little bit and soak it up i mean i if you ever been to his house in key west with all the cats hanging out and stuff it's uh I have or they,
3: like they have different kind of paws or something yeah, yeah one has or something. exactly
1: something crazy, but uh, they just sit there uh, and they're they're not you you're not permitted to move them or get upset with them. They rule the roost actually. so I um, now that I become more of a Hemingway fan, I think at some point I need to take the van down there and just hang out. and and see where that takes me, those thoughts take me. But everything, I, I, I follow him on Twitter. There's a Twitter follow for Hemingway, and there's a lot of really good nuggets. And I just picked this one up the other day.
3: Awesome. We'll see you next time, Joe. All right,
1: brother. Have a great night.
3: The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through.